This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another week of Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. It's always great to be with you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for subscribing. Thanks for listening. This is your faithful, humble American Muslim correspondent, that Muslim ready to engage in reform, to call out our enemies, ideological or otherwise, that do not support freedom, liberty, but rather are part of the global Islamist movement. And week to week, you and I together address those issues, those front lines and the chasm between the land of Islam or political Islam in the land of freedom and liberty here in the West. And I do believe, as I've said many times, this is a battle about what America is, what America stands for at home and abroad, and will we begin to engage in that war of ideas? And what better week to talk about what America stands for than in the days after this exercise of American democracy, of elections, this exercise that so many countries, so many citizens die for protecting that our founding fathers created the greatest nation on earth with the greatest constitution. This ideology that is Americanism, that is a republic, not just a democracy, but better defined, a republic, a city on a hill. This election was full of hand-wringing, and for those of you who follow me, not only here on this podcast together, but on Twitter, on social media, and elsewhere, you'll know I was not campaigning for, nor did I support the candidacy of Mr. Donald Trump. I started off as a Rubio supporter and then a Cruz supporter, uh, and ultimately resigned from the from the Republican convention as a delegate because I could not participate in his coronation. But it is a very different thing to express my personal opinion about a candidate in a two-party system. Now, ultimately, there are other parties. And for the first time in my voting life, since I voted first for President Reagan in 1984, I obviously supported him in uh, 1980, but wasn't able to vote. Um... But oh, I'm sorry. I, I my first uh, uh, voting was for President Bush in 1988. My first active election was in 1984, in which I campaigned for President Reagan, but was 17 and unable to vote. Uh, 
But I voted Republican ever since. This is the first election that I left the ballot blank at the top and wrote in Evan McMullen. But that's my own choice. That's what I did. Now the people have spoken. Mr. Trump is my president. Mr. Trump is, will be my commander-in-chief. And I will do my best, my patriotic duty to help him. I've gotten a lot of wonderful requests and hopes that I would work. People knew that I have been troubled by Trump's policies and concerns, and and I've expressed those. And we may walk again through a few of those that I'd like to highlight but I do think that it is important. And as I wrote on the day that he was elected and when he announced at 1 a.m., right before, as I saw that he would be president, I said, you know, our city on a hill will stand fast. May conservatives, especially conservatives, hold a President Trump accountable to our core values at home and abroad. God bless the USA. And that's what it's all about. Dissent is what my parents, my grandparents fought for in Syria and were unable to get it and came to refuge, political refuge for freedom, religious freedom, political freedom, human freedom, and human rights that they had protected here like they had nowhere else before. And that's why I became a conservative. So my difficulties were not only on a character level with Mr. Trump and his scorched earth politics and the way that he dispensed with his competition, not by ideas, not by meritocracy, but by other methods that I had disdain for. My problems with Mr. Trump were not only his inconsistencies, I had difficulty trusting the fact that the 20-year Democrat, Mr. Trump, and only four or five-year come Republican could be trusted to maintain those positions that he promised, and then his nationalists, some of his nativist, his isolationist, his anti-trade positions, I wasn't sure necessarily were conservative. And I personally did not believe them to be. But we fought that fight during the primaries. And as a final candidate, I still felt an ethical responsibility not to cast that vote. But now the people have spoken. My opinion is a minority opinion. And I recognize that. I didn't do any guessing on who would win. Uh, I don't do that. I am not trained in that science. And even the people trained have been proven to not know what the heck they're talking about. I will say the turnout was low this time. That affected the result. Mr. Trump had lower numbers of votes than either McCain or Romney got. So the fact that somehow criticizing the establishment as losing when in fact the total number of votes he got was less. I'm not saying that I'm enamored with all aspects of the establishment, but to say that somehow he woke up a sleeping giant, he might have. But we need to unite, because it apparently the rest were asleep if he had a lot of new voters. And he put the rest to sleep, rather than engage them. And this is a part of the political dynamic, but I think, you know, it speaks to that reform. I'm working on reform in the Muslim community and globally in Islam, 
But I think political reform, modernization, outreach and bridge building and coalition building is part of what America needs to look into. And now, you know, as I look, I served as a naval officer under President Clinton, for whom I had not only no respect or very little respect, I had some disdain for his personal lack of character and a lot of his policy positions, and which I found to be socialist and as was described by Anonymous in the Newsweek at the time, and I think it turned out to be Klein that wrote it, his politics of promiscuity, not only personally in his infidelity, but in his inability to be trusted. But yet I served proudly as a naval officer, and this was the commander-in-chief the American people had picked, and I had no qualms in doing so as an American. And as a patriot. Fast forward to President Obama's eight years. I would have at any time had the White House called to get diverse opinions from Muslims who are reformists. I would have offered my advice, tried to awaken him, President Barack Obama, from his slumber against political Islam and his folly in his appeasement of Iran. Muslim Brotherhood groups and the misdirection from which they deviated our country from the direction it should have gone against political Islam. But I was never called, but I would have gone despite my deep frustration with all of Mr. Obama's policies, my disgust with his lack of leadership, his laziness and inability to formulate coherent policies. and his lack of vision in the Middle East. So now, as we are faced with a President Trump, I will serve. I will help. I will do what I can to help and what I am able to agree to and feel comfortable in doing, but I will not, you know, some have said, oh, you know, have have disparaged the Never Trump group, and I'm not sure if I fall into that or not. That is a way to describe what I believed. But I think more than ever, our party needs us. <laughs> yeah, I read a piece uh, a few days ago that uh, Emma Rosa, who just bizarrely seems to be taking on some kind of role, not only in the Trump campaign, but now in the transition team, is making a list of never-Trumpers and making sure that they pay a price of not being involved in a Trump administration. Now, if they are talking about reaching across the aisle to Democrats and working with them, are you telling me that within the conservative movement, the checks and balances for conservative ideology, those of us who had difficulty with the stances of President, a so-called President Trump at the time, would he dismantle Obamacare when he ad- advocated, even during the campaign for a single-payer system? Would he appoint conservative judges, even when he talked about the brilliance of his sister, a liberal judge? Would he decrease the size of government when he actually endorsed infrastructure programs that include a large expansion in government. 
Would he believe in free markets when in fact he's looking at a trade war that would shrink the ability of America corporate markets to expand? All of these questions are fair for conservatives to ask and hold his feet to the fire. But I think now the sun has risen. He has a clean slate, and we must move forward. That is the American thing to do. My protestations are on the record. My stance about my disgust with some of his comments about women and other things are not for me to judge, but as a candidate, they sure were. As a president, we put them behind us. This is a a country that has had the profanity-laden Lyndon Johnson, who socialized a significant amount of government that didn't seem to bother a lot of America. That was then followed with the Republican Richard Nixon, who was disgraced into resignation, then followed by the perhaps honorable but grotesquely incompetent President Carter, and now President Obama. President Clinton and then Obama, all of whom I believe had significant failures in leadership and character that we seem to ignore, and now somehow the the world is falling apart because the American people elected now President-elect Trump. When we come back, what should be Mr. Trump's strategy if I ever had the opportunity to sit with him and give him a sense of what reformist Muslim think? This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. The Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. Reaching the fault lines of today, this is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another segment of Reform This. It's always great to be with you. Thank you for listening. You know, after the election and the surprise upset of uh, Hillary Clinton, and I can tell you, while the race might have been a race to the bottom by the two candidates, I am elated that the Clinton machine, the Democratic Party, spent billions and lost lost its shirt to a failed candidate who can now finally retire the Clinton name into the oblivion of American history. And no, she was not rejected because she was a woman. She was rejected because she is a blight on the character of American candidates. And her, not only her email scandal, but her foundation, her obsequiousness with Arab dictators and Islamists, uh, all the way back to her own personal corruption, uh, 
uh, from the days of the Rose Law Firm on this Clinton family felt that they could ultimately control American politics and they were handed their retirement papers this week. It's unfortunate though that we did not have a candidate that I think could have won this simply by the ideas, by the weight of their candidacy and character, but unfortunately I believe this election was won by the Republicans, by the Republican candidate, because the Democratic candidate was just that bad. But we have what we have. And sometimes out of confusion, sometimes out of what appears to be someone we may not be that proud of, may come sort of a a character that may rise to the occasion and be able to wield that type of lack of high expectations that pushes him into getting the job done. That lack of bubble experience in Washington, that artificial detached city that knows very little about what's happening in the rest of the country, perhaps will be shown that this is how you get things done by a businessman who, whatever ways, we don't know what his tax taxes showed or anything, but whatever way gets it done. You never know. And I think as an American, and I have to tell you, as a son of Syrian immigrants, I, I, I saw these protests on the streets this week, and, and what is the what is the goal? So so wait a minute, you're, you're protesting, you know, you see Rachel Maddow's little seizure and temper tantrum she had after the election. You see the New York Times the day before the election talking about, as I mentioned to you last time, kids, Arab and Muslim kids fearful. All the fear stoking now that's just gone into overdrive with the victory of Trump. And as this victory has now led to protests with thousands and CNN covering it hour to hour late into the night of the protestations. What are they protesting? The election results? Mr. Trump has never governed. His verbiage is sloppy and often, I would say, as I've said, un-American. But let's wait and see when he governs, then protest. This is a transition time. See who he surrounds himself with. Protest substance, protest policies, protest appointments and what they stand for if you disagree with them, but simply to protest the result of an election is not only hypocrisy. What were they saying about the right? What were they saying about Mr. Trump when he said he may not acknowledge the election if it's contestable. Now they're protesting it and the hashtag not my president is coming from Americans? Well, I'm sorry. Uh, again, I was not a fan. But he was my he is will be my president as much as Obama, Clinton, Carter, Lyndon Johnson were my president. Each of them had deep, deep flaws. And the Democrats thought they governed well. I certainly didn't. But even if in the first hundred days, a President Trump 
dismantles Obamacare, puts into place conservative judges, begins to decrease the tax corporate rate that I'm paying on my small business, I'm going to be doing cartwheels. I'll have to contain my emesis if he starts removing sanctions on Russia, as the Russians have been talking. I'll have to throw up and, and, or, or contain myself from that if he starts a move towards bigger isolationism, as this week we saw the Taliban call upon him to remove troops. I guess they didn't get the memo that he doesn't take office till January 20th. But, but I hope we don't enter an era even further of withdrawal and isolationism, which was really what he campaigned on. But at least there are some things that I will support and I will hold him accountable. As I said, our city on a hill will stand fast. But as conservatives, as Americans, we need to hold him accountable to our core values. And I appreciated some of the comments this week. You saw, I think Eric Erickson wrote a piece about this is not the time to abandon the Republican Party. And listen, we have the Senate and the House now, if you're conservative. This is an opportunity to, just like President Obama bulldozed through things that was part of the left's agenda, it is time now to shift the axis of national security from countering violent extremism to countering violent Islamism. And if President Trump surrounds himself with some of the apologists that even President Bush did on political Islam and Islamism that did not want us to address this and called simply the the bromide of Islam being a religion of peace. Yes, it's the faith that I love, but that kind of bromide prevents engagement of reformers, prevents disengagement of so-called allies who are the fuel that intoxicates their populations with theocratic Islam and Sharia supremacism. It is time to begin this process, and I think we have an opportunity. Yes, I will do it cautiously, I will do it guardedly, but to all those supporters who say thought that I would say no to any type of help, that's as un-American as, as the Democrats who refuse to work and find compromise in the gridlock that is Washington. That is un-American. Now, I would hope that when you work with an administration, just as when I worked with Obama administration, they boycotted us because we were critical that I was so critical when my appearances on Fox News. Seriously, that is why you don't invite diverse opinions, is because I'm critical of Mr. Obama? I hope Mr. Trump doesn't do the same thing. He talked about punishing media that don't say the truth according to him. We're hearing now that Amarosa is threatening those that were critical of the campaign. That's un-American. That's not what our First Amendment's about. That's not the way to succeed. Imagine if the businessman, Mr. Trump, when he created coalitions that would build skyscrapers, he didn't focus simply on building the skyscraper, but marginalized those who might have disagreed with him on a number of issues, even though they agreed with him on how to build that skyscraper. So I hope 
that just because I might disagree with Mr. Trump on his horrific position on Russia, his lack of a position on Syria, his lack of a doctrine in the Middle East, that he may help, he may allow me to help him formulate that and work with some of his advisors. And if other things transpire that I disagree with or others do, that we may be free to be critical of those ideas and policies as patriotic Americans. That would be a president that would go down in history as a change agent, as a unifier, because he tolerates new ideas and criticism. No, I'm not an expert on political analysis. I'll leave it to others to look at the numbers and figure out what happened this week. I have to tell you, uh, the next day I spoke to a Republican group in Tucson, and people are hungry. People want to know. They want leadership to guide them on solutions. They realize this, this is a major global Islamic problem that needs reform. And when you educate Americans about where Islam is in its history and the role Muslims can play, there is no bigotry there. There is no so-called Islamophobia. There's, I hate that term. But they use it because they don't want anyone to talk about Islam, so they make them feel bigoted if they talk about it. And when I spoke to this group, they were also cautious about some of the policy positions of a Mr. Trump, but they see a complete switch in the control in Washington into the end of gridlock as being a time in which we might be able to actually make progress in policies, national security, and strategy domestically and globally. That is the America that we've been waiting to see and has been under wraps for the last eight years. The city on a hill will start to shine brightly. And I think will rise again to succeed. It's not about one man. This hysteria that's going around about just unbelievable hysteria about the election is just beyond incredulous. Now listen, we're, we're all guarded, but let's wait and see what happens. And then if it ends up imploding the way many of us were concerned that it could, we will deal with it. America is not about one man. It's an idea. It's about freedom. It's about liberty. It's about people coming together of diverse countries from all over the planet to enjoy one national identity, one's covenant that's protected. The president is part of that, needs to lead, which President Obama did not do, needs to unify rather than divide. But he's not the end-all, be-all. Yes, he's powerful, but there are checks and balances and there are other leaders that will push the system in the right direction because that's what the American people know. This is Udi Jasser, and I'll be right back. Breaching the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser.
on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. The Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. This is Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another segment of Reform This. And, you know, actually, I... I have to tell you that as disappointed as I am that none of the other 15 candidates, wherever they were, had had, uh, been the one to defeat and put Clinton in her place, we have what we have. And, you know, with all of its warts and whatever it is, this is my country. This is the country I love, and I will support and defend the Constitution and our president and our government and dissent when I can and protect and defend first and foremost. That's what Americans need to be reminded of. That's what we should be telling our children. This fear-mongering that's telling kids. We have eight-year-olds coming back from school now telling their parents, should we move to Canada? Will there be nuclear war? What will happen? That just is just unconscionable in a country that is right now so relatively at peace. Yes, there are major wars happening in the Middle East, but we aren't involved in them. These are revolutions there. Yes, we've been attacked. Radical Islam wants to destroy America because we are their greatest threat, the ideas of freedom. But our children, after an, after an exercise in democracy, should not be living to be told to be afraid of the country that's the freest in the world. This coming, you know, I have to tell you, I think back, look at the thugs the true evil that runs for election and ends up destroying and massacring people in droves across the Middle East. Yes, I'm an eternal optimist. Yes, I see some of the signs of demagoguery and the verbiage that came from Mr. Trump's campaign, and I'm concerned. But, you know, Van Jones was talking about Muslims being put in internment camps on CNN this week. Seriously? Mr. Trump never talked about that. Actually, now they've removed the Muslim ban from their campaign website, which I think is testimony, one, to their lack of consistency, but two, to the point that when his team is going to begin to govern, they will take on a much more sober and realistic approach rather than a carnival approach to the to the verbiage that's used. And we'll hold them accountable. Hopefully he'll have Muslims in his administration to hold them accountable to how these will be addressed and there will be a diverse representation of folks across America in his administration. So I think that the next natural part of the discussion is what will be Mr. Trump's strategy. What will be his overarching doctrine? 
you know, from Kagan's concerns on Trump's lack of knowledge, sophistication, to the Weekly Standards, the National Reviews, to foreign policy, a lot of the think tanks that have spent decades investing in a post-Cold War reanalysis of the changes across the Middle East, I'm with them. I understand the frustrations. But now we see many of the folks on his transition team are sober think tank folks from Heritage, AEI, and elsewhere. So I think that the 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 planks of his policies will likely be strong. Now, will the leader, will the candidate come president in January be able to articulate these in a way that convinces Americans that this is the way forward? I think that's the key. Will he take the time to transform from a uninformed salesman into an informed president. And those are the things I pray about. His doctrine, I think, needs to be a liberty doctrine. It needs to be based on engaging reformists. I hope it's a liberty doctrine. That's what I've been talking about for years, that we need a president that would embrace that. I hope he reinvigorates and reopens our public diplomacy program, which has died a death at the end of the Bush administration. I hope he begins to engage revolutions, the Green Revolution in Iran, as we appropriately dismantle this crazy treaty that we had signed, which was one-sided and gave evil in the Middle East $150 billion from which to perpetuate genocide against Syrians and Iranians. It's time to rebuild Radio Free Islam to build it from nothing. Al-Hurra exists in Iraq, which is American television that's in Arabic that transmits some discussions of freedom, but not as much as it could if it had a, a more robust representation of Democrats, small d, Muslims. There's a lot happening across the Middle East, even without our input. In Tunisia, where you have a democratic secular party that had displaced and beat in the second round of their elections in December 2014, the an the Islamist party. Will we begin to engage the reformists on the ground because the an lost and now are renaming themselves Muslim Democrats because they realize Islamism is a dying ideology there. We need to capitalize on that and begin to expand secular liberal ideas. Tunisia is a great laboratory for that. America is a great laboratory for that. Will we marginalize the influence of Russia in Syria especially, but also in Iran and elsewhere? Will they begin to fear us? You know, when I saw the Reuters story this week that Russia immediately is beginning to ask for sanction relief, A, it tells you that the sanctions are really bothering them, so that's effective. But B, they must really think, as they were cheering in Moscow when Mr. Trump won, they must really think that his election is going to be in their favor. 
Well, that's one thing I'm going to be protesting from the top of my lungs is if we relieve the sanctions on a country that thinks NATO doesn't exist, marched into Ukraine and the Baltic states might now be vulnerable again. Take a look at Gary Kasparov's concerns, and I think here's the head of a human rights foundation that is a brilliant man that is concerned. So I hope we push back and reinvigorate the Reagan position on Russia and the Soviets at the time, but Russia now, which haven't changed, and Putin believes the Cold War is in 2.0, and I think it's time to lead through strength, not through appeasement. Obama appeased Iran and the Brotherhood. I hope Mr. Trump does not appease Russia. When we come back, let's look at a few of the changes in Turkey and the latest across the Middle East. This is Zudi Jasser. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. The Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. What is happening to your voice? I have no idea. It's going away. Are you so sick? many, so many functions of Jeff and Equal. <laughs> I know. And, and, and the, the speaking is the thing, though, right? Isn't that weird? Uh, is it? Is the syphilis battling with the gonorrhea right now? Syphilis and gonorrhea battling. Yes. Yeah. I thought I was. It was a quick <laughs> battle last week that lasted a few days. And- Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to our last segment this week of Reform This. It's always great to be with you. And in this historic week, congratulations again to a president-elect, Donald Trump. You know, meanwhile... While we were having our elections, a few things. First of all, let's talk briefly about ISIS. ISIS put out its magazine uh, um, onto the Internet calling for acts of terror at the time to hit America during our elections. And, um, you know, perhaps our homeland security stopped some and we didn't hear about them. Whatever it may be, our prayers worked. They are looking to attack us. They're threatened by our democracy and thank God nothing materialized. But these folks, the, the tighter the noose gets around their neck, the more they're going to continue to reach out to try to attack us. And there were operations moved in on Mosul last week. It included Iraqi forces and with some, obviously, assistance from us. And I believe those operations are still proceeding but Mosul is going to be retaken and has ultimately been retaken. ISIS did try to reach out to try to stimulate some type of act of terror, and thankfully to this point we've not seen any. Meanwhile in Turkey, Turkey is, keep track of what's happening there, large economy was succeeding economically, but Erdogan, the head of the AKP party in Turkey, the Islamist, the brotherhood basically of Turkey, but this is more Ottoman type, Sunni, Islamist, not Muslim brotherhood, Ikhwan, like Egypt, 
brotherhood, but rather same Islamist movement, but very different origins out of the Ottoman history, Islamist Turkish supremacism. And Erdogan wants to reinvigorate that. He had talked in the past in some of his speeches about abandoning the Sykes-Picot agreement, about seeing the expansion of Turkey. But then, as the Syrian war progressed, as he saw the increased influence of Saudi Arabia and Qatar, as he saw the threat of Iran through a powerful Assad and the losses of the revolution, he has now reached out to Russia. He has now tried to bring back his position in the dictator club. And we saw this so-called coup in July. And I say so-called because a lot of the evidence points that it was maybe simply the Reichstag fire of Erdogan, in which he created a diversion in order to then, within one week, cleanse 21,000 professors. And in the past month, we have seen a continued cleansing from their military, from their press, the, the sweeping nature of reductions in freedoms happening across Turkey are just unprecedented in the last 50 to 100 years in that country. And nobody's saying anything. It is amazing to me, if there's one thing I wanted you to to get from this today, is why in God's name is Turkey still in NATO? You have a so-called democracy snuffing out dissent, creating a climate in which professors can no longer speak or write their opinions, imprisoning dissenters, imprisoning them and torturing them, shutting down voices because of Twitter comments, shutting down the internet on and off, Twitter in general, YouTube in general, creating a climate that's even more authoritarian than other countries across the Middle East. And this is a NATO member, an alliance to defend democracies and free countries. An attack on one is an attack on all. Are we really? And yet, when the coup happened, there were American pundits saying, on the one hand, oh, this is great, this is a coup. Now, I'm no fan of Erdogan, as you can tell, since I'm an anti-Islamist Muslim. But I don't want to see him taken down by a coup. I'd rather see him taken down democratically by elections and dissent and have his ideas destroyed and defeated. And on the other side, you had those who were defending the AKP because that's what Erdogan wanted, was he wanted to become a martyr. So... Neither is in anyone's interests. We need to revisit Turkey's position in NATO. We need to start using the UN to put pressure on Turkey internally so that it becomes back to a respected player in the world stage in the way that it treats its people and begin to get the voices of those dissidents in Turkey heard, to get the names of those dissidents heard that are being punished and hold Turkey accountable to the standards and demand that these alliances that it's building with dictatorships, it's even reaching out to Iran and other relationships that are being built. Watch Turkey because 
the Syria nexus there is giving it a sense that it can do whatever it wants domestically and regionally with abandon without any accountability to the region or to the West and to areas and countries that believe in human rights as it begins to work more closely with autocrats. Lastly, this week, you know, you sort of look and what's happening in Europe? Well, I think there was nothing more more telling than a story in the Washington Post that, you know, hats off to the Washington Post for covering this, that a woman calling for jihad, wearing a niqab that's being debated about being made illegal, and, and I, I believe is illegal in, in some areas, if not all of Germany, was on a talk show with a Democratic Union Party uh, lawmaker from Chancellor Angela Merkel's uh, Christian Democratic Union Party, and they were talking about jihad, niqab, and other Islamic issues. Her name is Nora Illi, and she was a representative of a, quote, Swiss Muslim group. And this popular German talk show, Sunday evening show, a highly rated one, showed this 32-year-old convert wearing a face veil and and was, I think, intended to be provocative. But it was her comments, actually. It was not just her dress, but it was her comments that were even much more so. She said, in Islam, women have many rights and possibilities. We don't have to balance family and career as much as other women do. We can evolve in our role. She said that you may think European youths should look upon Syria as the promised land and fight for their militants there, their militant groups, according to social media posts she wrote and that were read out on the talk show. She referred to young people there. Muslims are faced with repressions all over the world. It is no wonder that the temptation to break out of that misery is gigantic. One must highly praise such a determination as civil courage given that context. Women who do feel they have been shut out of society and want to break away could view Syria as that promised land as the only way out. And it's amazing that you know, there was this backlash and, you know, sort of, what what are they, what is she talking about? Does this represent Muslim views? And then you wonder how Muslims get radicalized? On German television, she was telling Muslims about the beauty of going to serve in the rebellion in Syria. And then you wonder how come there are jihadis, I think 500 to 1,000 that had gone from Europe to Syria, if not more. I think the 500 number was from Britain alone. And there were thousands that had gone from Germany and other countries. When you have leading Muslims who are spokespeople talking about going to fight in these countries as the promised land, when in fact they're sending their youth to be slaves, to be raped, to be exploited, by ISIS and other radical Islamist groups like Jabhat al-Nusra or to be destroyed and bombed and killed by the militant monsters of Assad regime. I just, I don't get it. How could 
the Germans put this on as without showing a contrary Muslim opinion. Now, perhaps a debate would have been good to marginalize that opinion, but it was an unopposed voice. It was a misogynist voice coming from some veiled anonymous woman behind a screen that nobody knew what she, who she was or what her identity was. This is an abomination. And it wasn't a, a comedy. This was done with serious so-called respect for this 32-year-old representative of radical Islam, of jihadi Islam, of the Khalifa ideology, of the caliphate ideology. This is what's happening to Germany in its defense of loss of national identity, nationalism, of the ideologies and ideas of freedom and security and democracy. Take a look at that. See that I think that is just simply a metaphor of the problems happening across Europe, how they can't even engage and put jihadis in their place when they put them on television. The lawmaker was just sort of sitting back and apologizing, and it's just horrific. This is the problem. We have a lot of work to do. We can address the refugees. We can address security clearances. We can address national security, a strategy across the Middle East. Here on Reform This, I will continue to do that, and I promise as their transitioning transition starts to happen in Washington that we will bring you, if Mr. Trump moves in the directions he promised, support for those ideas where he does right and criticism for those ideas when he does wrong or things that I believe are not workable and not solutions and more harmful. Or on american or American. We will hold him accountable just like I expect you to hold me accountable. This is your faithful American Muslim patriot bringing you Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you for joining me for another week. We'll see you next week. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.